everybody back to the Stabcast. I'm Dan and I'm here with Mindy. And we're here to talk about the autopsy of Jane Doe. Yes, we are. Uh, Emile Hirsch, one of my favorite actors in all of Hollywood. Yeah, Emile Hirsch was somebody that I accidentally introduced Daniel to and it actually has nothing to do with horror. So it's a little bit, this story is going to be a little bit more like behind the scenes ish. So um basically Justin Timberlake went on to make a few different movies and star in a few different movies. One of the movies that he starred in was based off a true story and it was a movie called Alpha Dog, which I'm sure a lot of you know. Yes. And Emile Hirsch ended up playing the leading role. Of the lead douchebag. Mm-hmm. And I just, both of us fell in love with that actor. Yeah. After seeing that performance. He did such a good job. He killed it. Uh, and he's been in other things, like there's a Bonnie and Clyde TV special that he did that was really good. Yeah, like I thought that's the only thing he's ever done. It's just that's how we were introduced to him. Well, yeah, we were introduced to him with that and also uh, Girl Next Door. Mm. I was right, because you're right, because that's where we met, where we saw him and when we saw the dude from Little Miss Sunshine. Yes. Dwayne. Yeah, Dwayne was in there, too. But, uh, I still love that movie, guys. That movie's fucking awesome. Girl Next Door is phenomenal. They both are. They're both really Both of them are really good time movies. Like, honestly, like, those American Pie, something, there's something wrong about Mary. Like, those kind of comedies are actually ones that Daniel and I really enjoy. Yeah. Like, dude, where's my car? And, like, less gross, like, along comes Polly, and more stupid, like, Night at the Roxbury. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I uh, he's a good actor. Also, Brian Cox is you know an award-winning actor, amazing guy, amazing Golden Globe guy. winner, winning actor. He's been in all sorts of shit. Uh, really good in this one. I I think because these two kind of carried the movie, right? It, that's who's in it most, and uh, a young woman named Op- Opala Lovebond, who plays Emma Roberts, which is kind of funny that that's a real person in Hollywood too, but uh. Uh, and it follows Austin and Tommy uh, Tilden, right? Yeah. And uh, or Titan, whatever the fuck. And uh, pretty sure it's Tilden. And they're they're doing an autopsy. Well, 
Well, what what it is is that when we first opened, Daniel's getting a little bit ahead of himself. When we first opened, we opened to a completely different premise, like a completely different resonance. Like we don't know where we are. We're not at no more. We're completely somewhere different. And there's a crime scene that's going on at this one house, and they have a young lady who they found among the rubble and everything in the basement. And she had no clothes, no ID. She was presumably dead. Actually, it was even said by Austin, who's played by Emile Hirsch, that her body was going into rigor mortis because of her eyes. Her eyes were completely, like, glazed over. So they didn't know where she came from and how she, like, how this whole crime and murder and everything, how it all came to light. Yeah. But they, the sheriff was like, well, we got to get this down to our two best guys right now, which leads us to the duo of Austin and Tommy. Now, Tommy the father he doesn't really know much else besides running the morgue Mm -hmm. and everything but what he doesn't know is that his son is actually has been actively talking to his girlfriend about it for about two years about leaving because he just he doesn't want to be in a morgue anymore he would be okay if he was in a hospital because he is a certified medical technician or a certified medical examiner so he could get a job wherever he wants, and he knows that. But he, he doesn't want to leave his dad right. is what it is. But the girlfriend's kind of pushing him, like, come on, you promised. And, yeah. yeah. And, they're get, and then these two, they're getting ready to leave because dad and son finished up for the night, so they thought. And then the sheriff, Sheriff uh, Burke, comes in with a new body happens to be that Jane Doe. Now, Austin starts to leave with his girlfriend. And then at the last second, he's like, you know what? I need to go help him. This is a really complicated case. He literally only has like five hours to get a cause of death. Mm -hmm. I got to go back. But here's a very key thing when I say this. Remember this, guys. He said, why don't you come back here around 11 p.m., let yourself in, we'll meet up with each other, and then we'll go, we'll go have dinner and drinks. And then that was it. And then after that, they um, started working on the body and everything. And I seems fishy. Because they're noticing all these different components, like the moth under her fingernails Mm -hmm. and um, just weird things with the body. Uh, Like her hair was covered in sulfur as if she was lit on fire. And her lungs were charred so badly, like Tommy even said, you you couldn't have smoked either even like seven packs for 30 years of your life and end up with lungs like this. Like, this doesn't happen. And, like, they were going over, because there's four stages of a autopsy, by the way. 
And right now, the stage that they're in is the first stage, which is the external examination. Mm-hmm. You're just checking out the body. Exactly. They're they're just checking out the surface of the body. You're not, not cutting, cutting anything. Into anything. Yeah. And then the second part is in the internal. Yeah. And that's when they start breaking our ribs and getting tests for the lab and whatnot. One thing I really want to hit home on is this is fucking creepy. Because they take, all of a sudden, when they're doing the internal one, the father goes and cuts her up like she's supposed to. Yeah. And she starts bleeding everywhere. Mad blood. Like, the eyes open, and, like, she's got someone's blood. So, Austin asks his dad, he's like, is that normal? Yeah. And he is like, it's not normal, but I've seen it happen, but only with fresh, like, fresh, fresh cords. Mm-hmm. And so they're both baffled and whatnot. And she, um, like, just, then she starts bleeding out of her nose, and it's just weird shit. And then as they continue the eternal, well, no, before they, uh, when he takes the blood sample, I'm sorry, guys, this is getting a little off track here, ADHD brain. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> um, when he goes to put away one of the other samples, he realizes that the blood sample that he had taken from Jane Doe was leaking all over the fridge. That it somehow got all over everything. Yeah. Like, everything was tainted. All of... Everything that they had in that fridge was tainted. Was tainted by her blood, and it's weird. It's a very weird, peculiar part of the movie, and that's why I like to focus on it because it's one of those things that Austin didn't bring attention to, so his dad didn't know that that ever happened. Yeah, his dad was like, "What the fuck?" And moving on through the movie, as Austin gets more and more scared and wants to leave. I can't help but think if he would have shared the phenomenon in the beginning with his dad, would he have left? I don't know. Would he have left? That's a good question. Because that's the thing. Like, Austin didn't say anything. If he would have said something, then we might have had a completely different movie. Yeah. So that's just that's just something fun to think about. Hundred uh, percent. The dad seems to be the issue in a lot of this movie. Yeah, Tommy's kind of fucked up. And, and I don't mind Tommy, but like Austin, at the end of the day, what happens to like both of them? Tommy, it seems a lot more like he had it coming. Even though, like, it's not his fault what happens to the girlfriend, but you know, you still fucking killed her. Yeah, and I mean. And that's why Austin was so distraught after that happened, because he's like, oh, my God, like, you didn't kill her, Dad. I did. I was the one that told her to come. Yeah. Like, she showed up because of me. She would have never been here. So. I'm pretty sure it's the guy that swings the axe, though. Exactly. But there's a lot of conflicting (laughs) emotions on that and whatnot. But they're going through it. I mean, they lost their family cat. He lost his girlfriend. Oh, yeah, the cat ends up in the vent, almost practically mutilated. They have to put it out of yeah, his memory. Yeah, you wouldn't like this one, Cher. I don't remember that. I've seen the movie. Oh, it's yeah. in the very <laughs> beginning. 
like it's in like maybe like the first like what do you know like thirty minutes? Yeah, in the first half hour. Yeah. Um. For but sure. that's that's very very messed up. Uh, we really do not like the violence of animals or young children on this podcast. Just to throw that out there. Um. But anyways, that's what I was saying. So she came. She followed his orders. And his dad, at that point, they were so freaked the hell out that his dad's just swinging. And you know what? I I can't say I particularly blame the man. You don't blame him? Especially because, well, Austin never told him that she was coming back. Yeah. That's a big thing. That's a big, like, key plot point is that he was never told by his son that she was coming back to get him. Yeah. So he really thought that they were being attacked because on one side they were, but they didn't realize that the witch was, not witch, that Jane Doe was going to use the girlfriend Mm -hmm. as basically a pawn. And I I like the chemistry between the dad and the son throughout the movie and I like that you know I also like the sheriff chemistry with um both well and the sheriff I have a soft spot for because that's Bruce Bolton in Game of Thrones and he's a known uh he's a really good Irish actor and he's kind of a good at yeah professional but uh no but he's a he's a nasty actor he's a very good actor nasty in a good way and uh he he does he kills it in this too, but I I thought the setting of having it being in like a corner situation and doing the act, yeah like something like it felt different. It, if, it wasn't quite a funeral home. That's yeah. The thing. It wasn't quite a funeral home. No. It was like an old school police mandated mortuary. Yeah. But I found it sick, and it was a sick setting for a horror movie, and they utilized it very well. I, I think that this movie, uh, it, there's not a lot like it, and I think it's done almost perfectly. And once again, as I love to touch on these lighting issues and whatnot, they could have had so many issues with their lighting, and I really appreciate it because they didn't. Yeah. I don't know why. It very well. I, I agree with you. It, this is one of those movies that I feel like everything always dates back to the fucking Salem Witch Trials, though. It feels like every single mystery in a movie, it's always like, oh, shit, there was a witch back then, and that's why shit's weird they now. They never said that she was from Salem. They said that she was up north. Yeah. It was heavily implied in my eyes. And she had a bunch of shit that was, like, turned into her body. But they had the yeah the date and the year. And they they had the date and the year of like when she actually passed. They also had like this flower that they found inside of her, which is actually supposed to completely paralyze the person that it is ingested by, and it's supposed to paralyze them to the point where they forget to breathe and they die. Yeah. So they're finding all of these things, and they're like, "What the hell's going?" And, like, the dad's looking really close at the body. And he's like, Austin, I think you were right. You were right. That frame doesn't, her frame doesn't match her face. 
And he's like, see, Dad, I told you. And he's like, yeah, that body type is completely different. So his dad starts hacking away and whatnot. And boom, what did they find inside the dead bitch? What did they find, Mindy? A damn totem. You found a totem for him. A totem? A totem. A Bible kind of thing, like a spell book. Right. In her skin, Sharon. In her skin, Sharon. She was wearing it. She was wearing it. She was wearing it. You're damn right she was wearing it. And it's gross. I mean, yeah, it is gross, but, I mean, it kind of melded and became part of her body. Yeah. So they didn't even realize what it was at first. They thought it was a corset. And then they figured out that it was it was that. But also, at this point, you have this creepy song that starts coming on every time they try to touch her. And it's like a nursery rhyme slash like song from like the 30s. Yeah. And um, it's like, let the sun shine in and forget about all your worries and da-da-da-da-da. And um, they thought that was quite peculiar. Every time they switched the radio station, it would either stay or it would go back because they pissed her off. It seemed like every time they tried to get close to what was going on with her, she did something. She yeah. caused something to happen. Like, she causes Tommy at one point to fall, and because he broke all of her ribs, his ribs are now breaking. That's why his stomach gets so swollen. That's weird. Yeah, well, that's when he sacrifices himself, right? Right before he sacrifices himself. Because that's when he realizes that he could sacrifice himself. Okay. So shortly after that, he bends down. Because at this point, like, bitches even set herself on fire intentionally by herself. And she still hasn't gone to ash. I mean, yeah, the one time they were stupid and set her on fire, and they almost burned the whole morgue down. Yeah. Which was, I mean, honestly, completely unrealistic, because with the formaldehyde and all the other gases and everything, I mean, and the embalming and whatnot, isn't that all flammable? Yeah. So if the room lit up like that, wouldn't have it exploded? You would think so. And it was just really weird to me that the boys were completely unscathed. Yeah. And then her body was completely unscathed, too. Yeah. Which was even weirder. And then they have another one where she just decides to set herself on fire. And I was like, holy shit, like, what? What the hell are we doing here, people? Yeah. And then that's when finally Neil Hirsch is like, you know what? Something's wrong. I don't know what's going on, but something is wrong. I don't trust this. So, we're going to move on to stage four, and we're going to cut open the head. Yeah. And he cuts open the head. He takes sample of her brain matter, uh, matter over to his little station and micros, uh, microscope and whatnot. And he sees on his fly that the cell tissue is still very much alive. Right. And he realizes that they've been trying to do an autopsy all night on someone that's still living. Dun, dun, dun. And 
he realizes that maybe her conscious might be a form of a spirit trying to tell them, like, stop messing with my body. Yeah. And the dad, it took the dad a little bit longer to convince, but then he finally was convinced of it. And then the dad kneeled down towards her and was like, look, I will give you whatever you want. All right. You, if you want new hands, you can take them from me. If you want new legs, you can take them from me. You can take whatever you want to survive. I don't care. But don't kill my son. Please. Just don't. And she takes him up on that offer almost immediately. Fucking creepy how quick she did that. Yeah. And then Cher shows up, or you think it's the sheriff. And they got the bush out of the door. Because at this point, there was a huge storm, too, guys. I should mention this. There was a huge storm going on within the 24 hours of this happening. So bad that it blew a tree on top of their entryway and they couldn't get out. Well, the sheriff finally breaks through. And he starts screaming to Austin, come on, just open the door. Open it. Open it. Let it in. And then all of a sudden, he starts singing the old nursery rhyme. And Austin's like, oh, God, I don't this please. And he starts backing up. And his father, out of nowhere, his ghost, scares the shit out of him. And he topples over the banister and ends up dead. So then once again, at the end of the day, the cops are once again at a crime scene with this Jane Doe. So, the cop, the sheriff, being a smart individual, was like, you know, I've known this family for over 25 years. Yeah. You can say whatever you want to happen. What happened, but I'm telling you right now, whatever happened is completely unexplainable. And I don't know who would ever be able to explain it, but whatever it looks like, it's not that. No. And her his deputy was like, all right, well, do you want to get her out of here? And he was like, I don't even want her in my county. He's like, seriously, take her to the next county and drop her off. That's cold shit. Yeah. Well, at this point, he lost like six civilians to this Jane Doe who was supposedly dead. Yeah. I'd move her in. Ship her to Mexico. Yeah. Get her out of here. I mean, and also... One tidbit in the movie, because we know how much you guys like our facts and everything. So one tidbit real quick, so everyone knows. What's the tidbit? Jane Doe, who was laying on the table on that metal slab for yes. two hours. Yes. She was an actual person. Yeah. She was not a dummy. No, she was an actress. Yes. Oh, that was really? an actress the entire time, from beginning to end. Yes, it that's what's impressive about it. It's very impressive. That's why, Sharon, if you watch it, that's why her mouth is always slightly ajar. Oh, wow. Because she's breathing through her mouth. Huh. To try and keep her breathing as shallow as she possibly could. Yes, it's very impressive. 
Very, very impressive. I mean, kudos to her, but I mean, yeah, the boys, they did a great job at carrying the film and everything, but let's be honest, if she didn't make a good dead girl, then the movie would have been done from the jump. Yeah, they could have easily cheaped out and tried to use a dummy or some bullshit. Exactly. But having a real person made it eerier and creepier, and it really made it, it work. It just makes it so much more real. I 100% agree. I mean, even the blood looked less fake, the blood looked real. And I just, I feel like if we had to look at a dummy for two hours, yeah, we would have figured it out at some point. Oh, yeah. So, yes, that is the autopsy of Jane Doe. Daniel, why don't you go ahead and tell us what we're going to do next week? We're doing cabin fever, baby. We're going, uh, we're going old school to 2004. <laughs> and we're going, uh, from our buddy from Boy Meets World and uh, the horror movie Cabin Fever. To me, this launched a lot of good shit. There's been sequels on sequels for it, and uh, it's a it's a pretty good it's a pretty good horror flick about you know uh, getting sick and. And if y'all remember last week when we were talking about stuff, I brought up Cabin Fever and I brought up how Eli Roth based Cabin Fever somewhat. On personal events because he had gotten ringworm on his face and he shaved and he ended up taking off skin. Yeah. So the part where the girl is in a bathtub and she's shaving herself and she's losing skin and whatnot because of the virus, he didn't make that up. That's yeah. something that he actually experienced. That shit was disgusting in the movie, though, but I'm excited to watch it. Absolutely. The, the autopsy of Jane Doe, though, I will give. Uh, Eight dead chicks out of ten. I will give it eight point two embalming tables. There you go. Uh this is a real fun one, Mindy. We'll be back for cabin fever. Yep. And uh it's gonna be a real ill episode. Yep, make sure y'all are watching the TikTok and everything. We got something really big planned that I'm trying to get done. Yep. And it's gonna include all of us at the uh, Unscripted Podcast as well, not just the Stabcast, so that should be fun. So um, when I got that all figured out, we will let you guys know what's going to happen. But until then, hoo-doo-hoo, and I'll see you next week. We'll see everybody next week. Have a good day. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.